0: This is an ABC podcast. Late last year, we were warned of the great resignation hitting our shores. Here's Aaron McEwen from global research and advisory firm Gartner on our show last September.
1: As people get their bonuses, which may not... Be as good as they were hoping for when they don't get the promotions that they feel they deserve because they worked harder than they've ever worked this year or the last 18 months. I can imagine that you know when we hit March of 2022, we will see the great resignation in Australia. It will be a movement of talent that I think we are unprepared for.
0: Hello. I'm Lisa Leong, and with me on this working life to sort fact from fiction about the great resignation here in Australia is career coach Kate Richardson and CEO of the Australian HR Institute, Sarah McCann-Bartlett. Hello to you both. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Sarah, so what did happen here in Australia? Were we right?
2: In Australia, towards the end of last year, we have started to see a sharp increase in voluntary turnover in Australia. New research from the National Australia Bank has found that a quarter of Australian workers are currently considering leaving their workplace. Now, the official data from the government is quite lagged. It's a little bit old. So, since October 2021, we at the Australian HR Institute have been polling our members to really find out whether they have been experiencing higher levels of of voluntary turnover and they have. Mm. So, if you don't mind, Lisa, I'll give you a little bit of data. Yes, please. In October 2020, we asked them to look back at their records. About 70% of companies said that their annual voluntary turnover was sitting between about 0 and 15%. Now, that's pretty good, pretty average. Yeah. But over a year on, in February this year, that number dropped to about 42% of companies. So, from 70% having a a pretty good turnover to about 42% of companies. So, if we go to the other end, the highest range, and we ask them how many of them were experiencing over 25% of voluntary turnover, go back to October 2020, Only 9% of companies said that their annual voluntary turnover was that high. But in February this year, that had gone up to over 20%. That's a really big turnover and it's a really big shift.
0: Are you calling it the great resignation,
2: Sarah? Well, we're certainly calling it um, high voluntary turnover. And if you want to give it a label, yes, it probably is the start of a trend.
0: I've also heard it being called the great reshuffle or the great rethink. Um, why the difference in labelling here, do you think?
2: Well, my view is that the great resignation, and and you can call things uh, anything really, <laughs> is a bit of an umbrella term. Everybody's changing jobs, but for a wide variety of, of reasons. Some people are leaving the workforce altogether they're retiring early or they're coming to retirement. Others are making more radical career changes. Some are saying, well, I'm actually just going to shift companies because I I want to move to a company that either aligns better with my values, it gives me more flexibility. Now, don't forget also during the pandemic, some people move geographically, and that has forced some of them, depending on how flexible their employer is, to actually have to to move jobs. So you could call it the great relocation as well. <laughs> and others moved simply for a promotion, pay rise, better career opportunities. So there are lots of reasons.
0: Now, Kate, you've been researching this too. What have you found?
3: So I did some research in February that looked at changes that people made in their employment arrangements over the last two years. And what I found was that over half of Australian workers aged 18 plus said that they had made some kind of change. And that includes moving jobs, switching industries, uh, changing careers and or reducing their hours. And in fact, one in five say that they've changed their career in the last two years, which I thought was really high. Some people have made very significant shifts, like leaving a corporate career to start a business or taking the family off to the country for a different life. And others have made more of an everyday change, like finding a better job that that pays a bit more. So just building on what Sarah has said, I think it's not so much about a moment in time. It's not so much about a storm that's suddenly breaking. It's more like we've had rain for a couple of years and that rain is starting to get a bit heavier. I know that in my research, uh, about 18% of people also said they were considering a career change in the next 12 months. I'm always a little bit sceptical of what people say they're going to do, but that still is an indication of where people's heads are at. But I think what's interesting is
0: just that volume of change that has occurred right across the period of the last two years. And Kate, who is jumping ship uh, in your view? Which industries have the biggest movements or shortages? Well, those that changed careers, interestingly, were more
3: likely to shift into three sectors. So transport being one. So that's delivery, freight, warehousing, et cetera, which makes sense when you think about the trend towards online shopping uh, over the last couple of years. The second industry was agriculture and natural resources, and that includes energy, And the third one is science, tech and engineering. So it's really a mix of high growth industries, um, as well as that transport sector, which is obviously spurred on by the conditions of the last 12 months. Those people that were employed within education and health and also that science, tech and engineering area were more likely to have had some kind of change, changed their job
2: or, or changed their industry. And Sarah, is this what you've been hearing too? We haven't surveyed in terms of particular sectors that people have been moving to. But what we have been looking at is where are the employee shortages? So where there has been high levels of employee turnover or an increase in in demand, we're certainly seeing skill shortages or employee shortages, particularly around the digital IT space around anything to do with training and learning because one thing the pandemic has taught us as employers is that we need to be upskilling our employees, both for digital and IT, but for other new skills or what used to be called the soft skills and we call now the essential skills like resilience, flexibility, creativity, agility And so learning professionals, not necessarily specifically educational professionals, but learning professionals in a corporate sense are in high demand as well.
0: Okay, Kate, well, you coach a lot of people through career change. So, what should employees be doing right now to capitalise on what's going on in the job market? Look, it sounds obvious, but if you are thinking of moving roles, get really clear on what's missing in
3: your current job and your environment and what you actually want in your next role. I think sometimes, particularly in a confident job market like what we're seeing at the moment, people get a bit carried away with the idea of a pay rise or a promotion without necessarily thinking through what it means. So it's useful to think about how you define success and therefore what progress looks like. You know, it may not be an immediate promotion. It might be about a role that gives you better long-term opportunities, for example, or a four-day work week so that you can have time for the family. I think if you are relatively happy where you are, Take the opportunity to negotiate with your current employer. You know, now is a great time to be talking to your manager about a pay rise because a lot of businesses are doing much better and there is that intense competition for for talent. I think the other thing is that once upon a time, things like gaps on your resume or perhaps a a diverse background where you've had a few different careers, that might've been seen in a negative light. But I think hiring managers and recruiters are becoming a bit more open-minded because in a tight labor market, they have to be. So now is actually a great time to think about making a change and switching to a different career or industry.
1: My name is Zubin Pratap. I'm a recovering lawyer and a software engineer. In 2017 I got married and five days after the wedding I suggested to my wife that we should meet in the park for lunch um, and she was quite understandably suspicious about the whole thing and I kind of declared that I was going to leave my corporate life behind and try my hand at startup. I was 36 at that point of time. It got good, then it failed, and I was non-technical. But at the end of it, I was just so sure that the freedom that came from trying to do my own thing, even though it came at significant financial risk, made me come alive in a way that I hadn't in the 14, 15 years before that. And so I just sat down at the kitchen table and decided I was going to start teaching myself to code. And about a year and a half after I learned to code, maybe two years, I became an engineer at Google. And that was just before the pandemic. And I've just left Google to move back to the startup world, in an engineering position. The reason I made that decision was when I actually quit my corporate and legal career, I had resolved to spend the next half of my career not making any of the mistakes I made in the first half of my career. And one of the big mistakes I made was living according to somebody else's script and not mine um, and not living by my values. And Google is a fantastic company, possibly the best company and culture I've ever worked in. But I'd always wanted to move closer to the business and the startup side of things and not continue and, and, and spend a lifelong career in big corporate. And Google is a big company. So to stay aligned to those values, um, I needed to move to something slightly smaller that would also give me the flexibility to work from anywhere in the world. At the moment, unless there's some sort of correction, which I don't see it happening, this just such a boom. It's unprecedented in human history, largely because There is so much demand for technical skills, and it's the kind of demand that's likely to continue for a few years. So people who are looking to start now can still legitimately expect to get jobs in a year or two. Um, And it seems to be just growing exponentially all the time.
0: So Sarah, things have changed radically for employees, but what are employers experiencing right now?
2: Well I think at the moment employers are losing skills and knowledge and that's a really big gap for a lot of them. Second, because the jobs market is tight it's taking longer to fill a role and when you do fill that role it's costing more because in some area wages are going up. Then there's the onboarding and training of new employees. A recent survey that we partnered with HR software company Elmo on found that it takes over 33 days to fill a vacancy and it costs an average of $10,500 per position. Then for the employees that are left, there's that negative cycle of them actually having to do more. They're already burnt out from the pandemic, so they will be becoming a bit more dissatisfied themselves and possibly they're not being rewarded for that extra work. And we're seeing wages going up not because of productivity gains, which benefits the business, but because of an employee supply shortage. Now, The answer for employers, one answer is more training, but actually training is often cut when money is tight in a business. So, if you're an employer, what should you be doing? Well, we're hearing a lot of employers looking at what's called their EVP, Employee Value Proposition. It's that balance of rewards and benefits that an employee receives in return for what they contribute to the workplace. So, it starts with, of course, salary and other monetary awards like additional superannuation, paid health insurance, even things like like car parking. And these are still really important factors. Flexibilities very important um, and we are hearing that a lot of people are changing roles or changing company to get that additional flexibility but what employers have to remember is flexibility looks different for different employees at different times in their own life stage family leave well-being leave volunteering leave well being is incredibly important. And through the pandemic, employers started to realize that they're not just responsible for employee well being and occupational health and safety in the workplace. Those lines have blurred, and that overall well being, and we're seeing a lot more well being programs being put into workplaces and support for employees to manage their well being, even financial well being. Kate's already said um, training and career pathways are really important. So employee value, value proposition will include a training proposition for now, but also visibility for employees around a career pathway so that they can actually see what their career might look like or what some of the possibilities are within this organization. And that's to try and um, retain the employee as well as attract new employees culture, values, what the purpose of the organisation is. Again, we've been hearing that a lot of people have made a shift because they want purpose in in their work life as well as in their personal life and they want the organisation's values to very, very much align with their own personal values. They won't put up with that misalignment anymore.
0: And like Zubin, Fern found the time was right to make the leap, in her case, from media into her dream role service design for a tech company.
4: Things that I was hearing from recruiters were that like it was the perfect time to throw my hat in the ring because it was conditions that they had not seen before and that previously there was a lot of international talent in the market. But without that international talent in the market, the you know roles that I would be considered for might have been roles that Were too competitive to go for before. And even one recruiter who I'd spoken to a year and a half previous to applying for the roles that I did last year at that time had said, Look, I just can't imagine that you'll be able to easily get service design roles that are on par with your current level you would have to go right back down to a junior level role and work your way back up whereas in that was absolutely not the case a year and a half later it was like very much I could just move straight into service design I was getting interviews at places that I had never really considered me before. For example, a major tech company where I had applied at least four times over the past five years and never received any luck on those fronts called me within days for an interview. So that was a huge confidence boost for me. And it it actually gave me the confidence to apply for more tech positions, um, which landed me in the tech role that I'm in
0: now. And another of our listeners, Faye, has also finally found joy in her work thanks to the pandemic disrupting the job market, but also because it disrupted the interview process as well.
5: I went from a quality assurance job in a medical device industry, which was highly regulated, a small company, and there was a lot of pressure. And I was going to my current job where I am at the moment which is clinical research in with cancer patients who are having radiation, and I absolutely love it. So the whole interview process was really interesting, actually. It was remote, so I had a Zoom interview with two ladies on the East Coast, and I felt really natural because Zoom meetings are just so normal now. I felt completely at ease because I was in my own home as were they and we chit-chatted a bit about COVID we all had that in common and I felt like I didn't have to hide anything I was at home I didn't have to be clandestine about having a job interview I didn't have to lie about anything it was it was wonderful it was really really good probably one of the best job interviews I've ever had
0: Sarah, Ferd mentioned how low migration is impacting the job market. You say skilled migration is definitely one of the things we really need to focus on.
2: Absolutely. In terms of skilled migration, we have to remember that Australia's borders have been pretty much shut for two years, and we've in the past relied on migrants to fill both unskilled and skilled roles. And we're now starting to see that returning, but it's really important that with this incredibly tight job market and employers struggling to fill a number of different roles that the government looks at its processes for attracting and providing visas for particularly skilled migrants into Australia and allows employers to fill those gaps really quickly. So, to look at the priority list for skilled migrants and perhaps broaden that a bit more, to consult more with employers around what those um, particular roles um, or skills that are in shortage are, and certainly to think about that transition from a working visa to permanent residency looks like to make Australia a more attractive proposition again as it was before the pandemic.
0: So let's crystal ball gaze. What do you think is going to happen over the next six months? Sarah, you go first.
2: I think in the immediate term, we're going to continue to see high levels of voluntary turnover as that pent up uh, demand for change actually works its way through the system. But then I think it will start to settle down. Now, will it go back to the levels that it was previously? I'm not sure, but I definitely see it working itself through the market. What won't change is the need for employers to really work hard on their employee value proposition, on making sure that they train employees effectively, continue to focus on skills development, but also continue to work on organisational culture, flexibility, different kinds of leave, and what they want their workplace to look like in the future in order to continue to attract and retain the best employees. And Kate... I do think we'll see more of the same. I also think that
3: the pandemic has really accelerated a couple of broader trends. One is around meaning, where we're all seeking a bit more meaning in our work. Work is no longer something that we want to just do and and put up with. There is an expectation that we'll get a bit of joy and satisfaction from our work. And the second one is this trend around mobility. So, the average job tenure in Australia now is just over three years. So, the concept of a a long linear career, you know, is becoming quite outdated. And I think events like the pandemic or recessions, you know, do have that ability to drive significant shifts. You know, after the 2008 recession, we saw growth in the professional gig economy as workers who were laid off from professional jobs started freelancing or consulting initially out of necessity. And similarly here, During the pandemic, the number of Australians starting businesses has really shot up. So in the last financial year, new business starts increased by about 15% as people have looked to new opportunities, looked to gain more control over their working life. And I'm definitely noticing that more of my professional clients who have spent two or maybe even three decades as employees are wanting to change their career and do their own
0: thing. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Lisa. Head of the Australian HR Institute, Sarah mccann Bartlett, and career coach, Kate Richardson. And some final words of wisdom from Fern and Zubin, who have warped the talk.
4: I guess what I'd recommend to people considering making changes now is not to hold back. Like, this is the perfect time, and with borders opening soon, I think that there's not going to be a better time for you to either change industries or go up in your seniority in the level there is a huge talent gap right now so if you've been considering it don't wait
1: my advice to other people is do not listen to the opinions of the world around you there's a simple test to apply has this person that i'm listening to or asking for advice have they actually done done what I'm trying to do. It's exactly the same way as we wouldn't take restaurant recommendations or travel recommendations when someone has never been where we're planning to go or eat where we plan to eat. Likewise, um, we only want to listen to people who've actually done what we're trying to do. Everybody else is probably projecting their fear, their worldview, and it's not right or wrong. It's just not valuable for you to base your decisions on.
0: Next time on This Work in Life, we're looking at how artificial intelligence is being used in recruitment and how it's improving representation in some industries and we debate whether the CV is dead.
2: I think the CV is a proxy for advantage, not for talent. So I worry about the cycle of advantage that we see in a CV and uh, that's that's my motivation to have it removed from other than very technical roles where those requirements are a prerequisite.
0: This Working Life is produced by Maria Tickle. I'm Lisa Leong. And until next time, love your work.
5: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.